You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Today, there are still certain Christians trying to use the power of the state not to side with the people and not, not to protect the vulnerable, but to push instead their own agenda, regardless of the real harm that such actions do to, to real people. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 292 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, and justice. Our title this week is Privilege and Power, and our feature text is Luke 20, 19 through 20. The teacher of the law and the chief priest looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and the authority of the governor. This passage juxtaposes the mass of Jewish people who who favored Jesus uh, against over and against the, the elites in that society who were threatened by Jesus's populist teachings and uh, the Roman power and authority. And the reference to the authority of the governor it is a political story detail through and through. And the story reminds us of, uh, of how those in positions of power and privilege, how they use the power of the state to protect their own social position, especially when their agenda is contrary to to uh, the masses. And for those who have been reading this month's Book of the Month for Renewed Heart Ministries, A a History of the World and Seven Cheap Things, A Guide to Capitalism, Nature, and the Future of the Planet by Jason Moore and Raj Patel, you've read how historically our capitalist society has not been based on equality or win-win or even cooperation, but on competition, on inequity, and the kind of winning that requires someone somewhere else to to lose. The economic and political elite, they've continually used the power of the state to accomplish their goals throughout history. And in Luke, this method is chosen because the elite in this story, they fear the people, quote unquote. They were afraid of, uh, of the people. Jesus's teachings are represented here as being very popular among the people. And the elite, they don't have the people's best interest in mind here. They're looking for how to best manipulate the the people instead and, and to preserve the status quo. And Jesus was popular with large sectors of the have-nots in the story. And the haves have always used the system's authority to preserve themselves. In a more just and compassionate structure, the state could protect the vulnerable from being exploited by the powerful and the privileged. But we have to remember that the times when there has been a more regulatory form of state power on the side of the masses, that's been the exception to the history of the state and state power and capitalist or colonial society. 
not it's not been the 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 rule. And as long as we have classes and other social locations where some have power and others don't, the state should protect the vulnerable. I'm, I'm thinking of the words of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In, in a talk that he gave uh, at Western Michigan University in 1963. He spoke against the idea that the power of the state is useless in our work toward a just society. He, he stated, now the other myth that gets around is the idea that legislation cannot really solve the problem and that it has no great role to play in this period of social change because you've got to change the heart. You can't change the heart through legislation. You can't legislate morals. The job must be done through education and religion. Well, there's half-truth involved here. Certainly, if the problem is to be solved then in the final sense, hearts must be changed. Religion and education must play a great role in changing the heart. But we must go on to say that while it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heartless. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. And I think that's pretty important also. So there is a need for executive orders. There is a need for judicial decrees. There is a need for civil rights legislation on the local scale within states and on the national scale from the federal government. And again, that was December 18, 1963. When we consider the authority of the governor in our passage this week, it was it wasn't on the side of of the people it, but but it was contrary to the will of the people especially within the context of the conflict between Jesus and and, and the people and the political elite of his day and i want to stop here and i want you to i want to ask you to to to, re, to just dream with me for a moment what is your image of a, a perfect world? And I'm not saying the world will ever be perfect, but the exercise of dreaming about what a perfect world would be, that's a practice that helps us move, uh, helps us in our work of moving toward a, a world that is l less unjust, less exploitative, and, and less unsafe. So, so does your image of a perfect world, does it include the need for the vulnerable to be protected from the strong? Or does your image of a perfect world make even this obsolete? Is your image of a perfect world where some take responsibility for, for caring for, for those who are vulnerable? Jesus envisioned a world where even the meek inherit the earth. In Luke 22, 24 through 27, we read these words, and there also arose a dispute among them as which as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus here is contrasting systems of domination uh, and systems of service. 
humans, humanity's hope for a future, it's not in devising more efficient uh, ways of, of dominating one another, but in creating more effective ways uh, that we can care for one another, that we can take care of one another. And the tragedy is when those who claim to represent Jesus today, they use the same methods as we're reading in our story this week in Luke 20. Privileged and powerful Christians, and I'll put a couple links to show you examples of these in this week's e-site, but privileged and powerful Christian evangelicals right now, they, they're viewing Trump as, as their Messiah because he will enforce their, their long-held political agenda at the foundation of this delusion. It's the Christian right's long struggle to overturn Roe versus Wade and the law that affirmed the legal access to, to safe abortion. And just this week, someone commented on a post of mine um, that if Planned Parenthood was defunded, it, it would protect thousands of lives of the vulnerable. And vulnerable, I thought, and I assume they're speaking of the unborn, but, but what about the vulnerability of women, especially those in a certain social location who will die as a result of overturning Roe versus Wade? Those who are uh, informed, they understand that lowering abortion rates has nothing to do with the legality of abortion. It doesn't have to do... What it does have to do with is the availability of education, the availability of birth control, the availability of, of child and youth advocacy. Abortions have actually increased when they're outlawed. And in the end, uh, and this is for a myriad of reasons, one of which is we think that outlawing them will fix it so we don't do the actual things that do lower abortion rates. But in the end, this is yet another example of those in power, mostly men, using state power to control the lives and bodies of women. Just like in our story this week, uh, women who should have autonomy over their own bodies. Uh, Pro-choice is not pro-abortion. And there are genuinely effective ways, if that's your concern, of lowering the rate of abortions in a society that do not escalate the, the fatality rate for women, nor do they seek to remove women's bodily autonomy. And I'm going to put a link to a, an article that was very formative to me years ago. Uh, it's called How I Lost Faith in the Pro-Life Movement. I'll put a link to that article in this week's e-site too. But since Trump's election, we have seen a surge in, in evangelical American Christianity's desire to influence our state and federal governments to enforce its dogmas under, under the misapplied label of, of religious freedom. And here in West Virginia, too, we're in the midst of a battle over education where, where for-profit charter schools are using Christians as, as pawns. And I understand that some nonprofit charter schools have been a tremendous help to some minority black and brown communities. That's not what's happening here. Christians are lifting their voices alongside for-profit corporations against the majority of the people here in, in West Virginia and what they
they want. And these Christians, they want to use the power of the state, actually, to, to protect them from the fear that they have, that they'll have to send their children to, to public schools where they'll sit in a classroom beside non-white and migrant and Muslim and LGBTQ kids. And Christianity has a long history of being on the wrong side of state power. If you go all the way back on October 28, 312 CE, Constantine defeated his rival that day to become the sole ruler of the Roman Empire. And Constantine attributed his victory to Jesus Christ. He allegedly received a vision just prior to that battle that, that promised him, him victory if his soldiers marched with, with the, the sign of Christ on their shields. And it was the first time in history that the name of Jesus was aligned with the nationalistic, violent power of, of the state, especially the Roman Empire. And this set a precedent. And, and Christianity's social location, it changed, it changed dramatically to make it the official state religion. Eusebius, Augustine, and other church leaders during this time, they, they interpreted Constantine's vision and the consolidation of power that his victory engendered. They interpret that as being from God. And the power of the state was then set in motion and used for centuries to crush Christianity's enemies, to exploit or to execute heretics, to, to Jews, um, Muslims, um, women accused of witchcraft, indigenous populations, and, and, and those whom we identify today as LGBTQ and, and, and more. Today, there are still certain Christians trying to use the power of the state not to side with the people, but and not not to protect the vulnerable, but but sometimes ignorantly and sometimes knowingly to push instead their own agenda, regardless of the real harm that such actions do to to real people. As long as there is a state, it should side with the vulnerable against those who would seek to do harm. And Christians must choose to learn from their destructive history. The, the Jesus story calls us to side with the people, not the agendas of the powerful, uh, the agendas of the privileged, or the agendas of, of the elite. And a misuse of the power of the state, that's what executed Christianity's Jesus. And a misuse of the power of the state, it's still harming the most vulnerable groups in our society uh, today. Luke 29 19 through 20, but they were afraid of the people, so keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said, so they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. Heart group application this week. Here are a few things to discuss just with your group, with your heart group. Number one, list examples that you have seen where the power of the state has been used to protect the interests of the haves against the, the have-nots. And then number two, think of the Jesus story for a moment. What are some examples in the Gospels of where you see Jesus taking the side of, of the vulnerable, the excluded, the marginalized, over and against the powerful and the privileged of his day? And then number three, as we work toward a, a more just world, damage mitigation along that journey is also very important. So how could, uh, and be imaginative, how, be imaginative with this, how could the power of the state be transformed 
transformed and reimagined uh, along this process to protect the have-nots from the elite. Thanks for checking in with this uh, the, with us this week. I'm so glad you're here. Wherever you are today, choose love, take action, choose compassion, work towards justice, until the only world that remains is a world where only love and justice reigns. Remember, another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.